Hey folks and welcome to another episode of PodCraft. PodCraft is the show about podcasting, from launching your show to monetization and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray from thepodcasthost.com, joined by Matthew. As always, how are you getting on, Matthew? Very well, thanks. You, you you mixed up a wee bit in the intro. I can't tell did what it? you did differently, but there was there was something different. I was like, where's something. he going with this? Where's he going? But you, <laughs> you, you, yeah, it was succinct enough. I mean, that this isn't succinct, my response to it, but here we are. <laughs> You've got to, you know, you've got to mix things up a little bit and confuse mm-hmm. your co-hosts. That's what that's what adds, know. Uh, you know, a little bit of spice to the podcast every single week. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. Podcast hot sauce. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen back and see what you mean now. I'm not sure what you mean. Now I'm doubting myself. Maybe you didn't do anything differently Maybe it was at exactly all. Exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Matthew. What we're we talking about this week is it is it something related to uh, doing intros? What we're not very good at. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is going to be a very, very short episode because it's titled, What Are We Not Very Good At? And Colin, to be honest, I can't think of a single thing that you and I aren't very good at. So we could probably just get it wrapped up there, can't we? That's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, we get told all the time, like, you are excellent at, uh, well, nothing. (laughs) I can think, yeah. So we can have a wonder through this whole topic, um, talk about all the things. I was going to say to you before we jumped on recording, I think this is a slightly nerve-wracking episode but I th- because I think in reality I'm just about competent at lots um, my strength is being just competent at a very wide range of things and not very good at anything in particular I think that's about my skill yeah I've not re- quite reached that level yet so I'd love to be competent <laughs> at most things I'm just bad <laughs> at most things so uh, the tables well, have turned it's going to be a very long episode settle in well, folks Indeed. <laughs> no, there's plenty of things I'm not very good at too. So yeah, no, I think this is great actually. Yeah, looking at the things that we think we're not necessarily excellent at in podcasting and maybe talk about how we improve them or how we work on them, um, ways to improve the things that we haven't worked on, which is probably a few as well. So yeah, that sounds good. All right, uh, let's jump in. But before we do, I'm just going to mention uh, Alitu. Alitu is our podcast maker app. If you do want an easier way to make your podcast, we're recording in Alitu right now, doing call recording. Um, we've got Double Ender coming very soon. So full quality recording. Matthew and I are testing out just now on both ends. Uh, but you can do call recording, automatic cleanup, editing and hosting. Go over and check it out at alitu.com. A-L-I-T-U.com. Get a seven day free trial. All right, Matthew. Ad reads. That's the first one I'm not very good at. <laughs> well, we add that to the list. I thought you did all right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's that. I think that is actually genuinely one of the things that um, I debate over whether I'm not very good at. And a lot of podcasters I feel could be better at is actually much more strictly planning their episodes. So I think there's a debate to be had around it. What do you think? Like around... I should probably have a run and a little a kind of show run, like a set of bullet points, um, do the intro, then do a little ad read for blah, then do this, then do that, uh, and kind of follow it through more strictly and have some of that stuff maybe scripted out a little bit more. Like that was just totally off the cuff. Like what will I talk about around reality? <laughs> so do you think, what do you think? Is that is that a good thing to do in podcasting or is the strength of podcasting the kind of ad-libbing and going for it? Like what, is that something we should get better at? I think it's probably to do with your familiarity with what you're what you're sharing or promoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we're talking specifically about ad reads here, I mean, 
you're literally are the founder of Alitu, so you would hope that <laughs> you have like a base <laughs> level of knowledge on it. Um, whereas, you know, if you were if you were taking third party sponsorship and it was something that was new, and you know yeah. the, the the folks that are paying for it are going to be keeping an ear on things as well. Yeah, I think you're more likely there to have some bullet points to ensure that you don't miss anything. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But then I also think that to get, like we do this every single week and we do it because we really enjoy doing podcasting and teaching podcasting and all that kind of stuff. But we could uh, probably make more effective use of it, like sending you, the wonderful listener out there, to more resources and stuff like that to like, uh, to give even more sort of value maybe or or make sure that we're promoting the right stuff or you know, I, uh, we're we're never going to be the type of people that milk the most from every single episode because we don't necessarily um, want to go down that road. But I do sometimes think that is something I could be better at and maybe we should be in some points because the more we get from the content ourselves, the more of it we can create, which helps more people out there in the world. So I don't know. Yeah, there's something around that, that kind of um, balance between uh, being kind of off the cuff and, and kind of just um, having fun with an episode and actually making it more worthwhile as well, which can help you, the host and the listeners long term. Calls to action, like it's it's not my primary, what I'm not very good at, that I'm going yeah. to talk about in a bit, but calls to action is something that I fall down on in my own shows. Yeah. Uh, and the, I think one of the reasons is I'll tend to do interviews or or online chats, you know, and when we finish, when we're getting the chat wrapped up, I could record there and then. I could think of something or I could even better plan it in advance. Who knew? Uh, you know, I could have a plan in advance for just what I want to mention. But I usually don't. I just say thanks and goodbye and all that. Yeah. And then when it comes to editing, I'm like, I could now record separately a call to action or I could just stick the music on and, you know, leave it at that. So most of the time I'll just do that. You know, it's part laziness and just part lack of planning. So I've missed out on a call to action just because <laughs> I didn't plan it and I can't be bothered. So yeah, it it ties into though the the kind of our ethos around sustainability, uh, consistency, workflow over perfection, doesn't it? Like we could always go and record an extra call to action, or we could spend more time planning it out minute by minute, word by word. But it would, it would one, it would take a bit of the enjoyment out of it. And two, it would make it take quite a bit longer and therefore uh, harder to keep up every single week. So I don't yeah. know. That's, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that is the trade-off. Like I'm, I'm putting episodes out consistently uh, mm -hmm. and I'm talking about, you know, a, a non-fiction show, not an audio drama, but I'm putting consistent episodes out with good, like what I like to think is good conversations, and I think that's the main thing. You know, yeah. what I'm yeah. doing is just that I'm I'm kind of letting myself do a wee bit or doing myself a wee disservice by not getting a wee call to action in there regularly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, so maybe it is something in there. There's like you can get good at, you can get good at being consistent. You can that can be a, one of the best things in the world to get good at as a podcaster. It's just being purely consistent. But to be good at that, you have to be a little bit less good at the, <laughs> maybe the squeezing as much from that podcasting stone as you possibly can, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Or uh, I'm sure there's people out there that are good at both that manage to get a better yeah. balance. Potentially. I, without a doubt, it's uh, like yeah. I say, I think it's in the planning. And um, 
it's easy for me to get to the day where I've got a recording and then, you know, get to 15 minutes before and just fire a chat link over and yeah. and not have a plan. You know, I've got a plan for the conversation, but I've not got a plan of, okay, what do I know? What would I like to ask the listener to do at the end of it? Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think, you know, it's it's just a, a hobby for me. It's just enjoyment. So, you know, I'm not... Um, I'm not like letting my business down or anything because there's no yeah. business. It's just uh, so again, you know, it, it probably depends on what your ultimate aim of the podcast is too. Yeah, yeah. I think that that balance ties into another thing that I think I'm not very good at, and especially maybe we should push more in a way is the the other side of it, which is after you've recorded, after you've got it out every day, is um, the promotion side of things. And mm-hmm. I think most podcasters probably fall down on this, like spending way more time on creation. Uh, rather than actually promoting the thing you've created, which you kind of sit and hope, you think it's a Field of Dreams style, like, oh, I'm going to make it, people will come and listen. And that does happen to an extent, but I think there's always there's always benefit to be had to allocate a good bit of time to actually promoting that content afterwards um, and, and being quite tactical about it. Like, I think that was partly why we created that our growth book in the way we did, wasn't it? Like with the kind of time codes in there and stuff. Like if you only have five minutes to make something, here's a set of five minute promotion tactics that you could use just to try and help people fit them in. Um, yeah. Do you do, do you do much around that uh, on your hobby podcast just now? Promotion? I wouldn't yeah. say so. No, wouldn't say so. Again, yeah, I agree. That's an area that I probably do tend to fall short on, but what I have done to grow, I, th- I think we mentioned it on the, the last episode, you know, you've got that critical mass of, say, 30 episodes in your back catalogue. Yeah. And I think at that point, I think you could really ease off on the marketing. You don't have to, you know, you could ramp it up if you want, but mm-hmm. you're you're starting to arrive at that area where you have enough listeners out there now that will tell your show about other people. So, you know, you could sit back with your feet up if you want, as long as you're still putting new episodes out. But in the early days when literally nobody's listening or you have five listeners or that, you do really have to tell somebody about it. Um, so I think that's, you know, that was tricky for me. Um, fortunately, I think I had decent searchable episode titles that got me a lot of listeners without me having to go out there and find them. So, yeah, but there, there's always more you can do, I think, with promotion. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I wonder, does that, there's <laughs> there's an argument that that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily follow, fall under what you're good or bad at. It's more just a time allocation thing. Maybe yeah. maybe that is the thing that I'm not necessarily good or bad at, um, or good at, I should say, is actually allocating time kind of ruthlessly saying, right, I have four hours every week that I can allow for um, a hobby podcast and everything around that let's say. Uh, so how do I allocate that? Like I need to cap my recording and creating and planning to two hours so that I always have two hours for promotion or an hour for promotion and an hour for the kind of um, other content that goes around it or something like that. Maybe maybe that's something actually that I feel uh, I would be good to get a lot better at. And especially if I was just kind of back in hobby podcasting days, that's a really good skill to have, I think. Another yeah. uh, another um, thing that I'm just thinking about that I'm not very good at because I was I was really trying to listen to what you were saying there and I found um, <laughs> I, by the way that sounds terrible like I, I was I was listening to what you were saying but um, no, you 
<laughs> what were you saying again? <laughs> um, I have found myself doing interviews recently on my show where I've tried so hard to wedge in the questions that I know are really good questions that I have when I've been editing it, I've realised, and we, we've talked about this loads on the show and I should know better, but I've just not been conscious enough to pick up on a couple of wee threads that have been real missed opportunities when I've listened back. Yeah. And I've almost felt a bit stupid because I'm like, you know, the audience would have been dying for me to pick up on that and find out a bit more and I've not even responded to it. So listening is such a, it's such a skill uh, it's, and, and I think everyone is. could be better at it. Yeah, totally. And it, I, it's one of those skills that's really hard to develop as well. Like you can't just go and do a course on listening. Like here's mm. here's how to listen better. <laughs> like, do you think that? Do you think there are focused, deliberate ways to get better at that, or is that purely just hours served time in the time on the mic with people doing interviews and and concentrating on that throughout thinking like how do I yeah like concentrate on getting better at that yeah I mean it could it could be a wider indictment of society I'm sounding really old here but you know <laughs> attention spans are notoriously short these days because there's there's so many things that catch your mm. attention from minute to minute so going a bit deeper and sitting down with somebody whether that's on a podcast or just you know having a conversation in real life to to just spend time on that one thing and really listen to what somebody's saying. Yeah, it's a it's a skill that deliberate practice, I suppose, is is the the best way to improve on it, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose that I've never thought about it that way, actually, the fact that you could you could decide, right, I want to get better at interviewing, a big part of which is the listening side of things and not looking at my questions and actually just trying to build a question based on what the person has said, digging deeper, asking why, 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 asking why, what's it, the seven, why chain of seven like that gets you to the real depth of things or something like that. Um, but you can do that in any conversation. Yeah, so you decide, right, I'm going to go for coffee with a pal. Um, during this coffee, I am actually going to really deliberately Listen and and make sure I'm just asking a question every single time. I'm not going to, today, I'm going to deliberately not jump in with that. Oh, yeah, I did that too. Or, oh, yeah, that identified. And, the, you know, that's the standard. Like somebody says, oh, my knee's really hurting me today. And you don't say, oh, why? What happened? You say, oh, yeah, my blooming back's been hurting as well. And you, you mm -hmm. always jump in and, like, compare. And that's not necessarily a bad thing day to day. But you could definitely practice, yeah, decide, right? Today, this coffee that I'm going for this pal, half an hour, I'm just going to ask questions and nothing else. Mm -hmm. um, it could be interesting, actually, yeah, deliberate practice. I know we're always, and I, I, I felt myself doing it there, like you're finishing what you're saying and I'm already, and you have to do this to an extent in podcasting, but I'm already thinking about what I'm going to reply um, you know, if we're, we're sitting having a beer or that, you've got, it doesn't matter if there's like 10 seconds of silence, uh, but on a podcast, you're kind of, you're aware you need to be more on your toes a wee bit. And I, yeah. when I go into doing an interview, I would hate the thought of being completely unprepared and not having any questions written down in advance. But I also don't want to be the game show host who's just, you know, moving on to the next question. But I think the problem is sometimes I'll, I'll get five or six questions that I think are really good ones, really valuable ones, and I want to ask them. And mm. I'm conscious of time. And I think that's forcing me to focus more on them, you know, what's next? Can we, can we get onto this now? And I'm missing opportunities that are coming up in the answers yeah. themselves because I'm not properly listening to them. Yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right. And, and not necessarily you, but everyone. I think that's something that just everyone falls into. 
Um, and it kind of brings to mind actually something that I am conscious of sometimes, which is when you're talking on a podcast, I always think, I do believe that the best podcasts usually follow a much more conversational format where it's back and forth, back and forth, um, less like far shorter sections. And as I'm saying this, I'm conscious of how long I'm now speaking on my own. <laughs> but with a podcast, you do tend to go because it's teaching, because you're talking about certain topics, trying to impart that knowledge, all that kind of stuff, you do end up having to do a bit more kind of monologuing in a way because you've got a point, you've got a, a thing to, a piece of information to impart to the listener and then you do it and then you finish. And something I'm often conscious of is getting to the end of that, especially when we're talking like you and me, like it's quite conversational, I'll get to the end of it and I'll kind of not think of a question to pass it over. So I just stop and then you rely on your co-host, i.e. you in this case, to just pick it up and do something else with it <laughs> or to ask something back, you know? Whereas I think when these are done best and the podcasts you listen to that, especially co-hosted ones, that work the best is when somebody can impart something relatively quickly, but ask a question of the, the co-host that then bats the ball over there, lets them put a point in, comes back and forth. It's just conversational, of course, like I just said, but somehow that's difficult to do in some cases. And now I'm paranoid. I'm going to finish this up. So I'm going to say, Without a what question. do you think, Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You, you can think of yourselves as holding, like sharing a, you know, an invisible microphone and, and when you hand it over to somebody, it's their turn. But yeah, if yeah. you hand it if you hand it over without a question, you are mm. relying on them having something. because uh, yeah. you, can you can't freeze. You know, I've done it yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tricky because when you're doing it at a distance, like you can do that much more easily in person. But when you're doing it at a distance, like you don't want to it's harder to jump in, it's harder to do all those thing kind of things, which is which is why I think long term uh, co-hosted podcasts often get better and better as they go because you kind of develop this kind of un unsung language or a subconscious language where you know when somebody's going to finish and you kind of jump in or or you know the signals or people deliberately develop um, techniques where they've got hand signals or um, certain ways like maybe in the chat even saying like put my hand up I'm going to speak next that kind of thing so it's tricky I don't know is that something you can develop I wonder yeah, I mean, things like chemistry just come through time, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting to be sure. Um, mm. Was there anything else you wanted to cover on that front? Uh, no, I don't we... think so. I don't think so. Yeah, interviews in general, I think I could, I could get a lot better at. I agree with you saying that um, they are a real skill. There was always in the early days, it was kind of understood like, oh, interviews are the easy way to make a podcast because you just have to get somebody else on and then they're the knowledgeable one. But doing a good interview is a real, real skill. Um, and I've not done a whole lot of interviews over the years. Like I think I've, I've read enough around them that I can do a passable interview, but certainly I'm not a, an expert interviewer by any means. And I think that'd be a great skill to develop. So yeah, but that's all, all on that, I think. What, um, what else did you have on your list? So I think my, in fact, I know my Achilles heel is uh, mm -hmm. is reaching out to guests that I would like to get on my podcast. So all the guests that I've had on the show have been great, like, and sure. I've, I've asked them to come on, but they're they're mainly folks like at my level. It sounds really derogatory. I don't mean it that way, but it's just your your average folks, you know, enjoying their, their tabletop hobby. I've had a few really yeah. good game designers as well who are definitely 
above me in the pecking order. But like, I'm sure, I'm sure. Sorry, Matthew, jump in. The, I'm sure you haven't actually mentioned the name of the shows you're talking about just now. You've mentioned them in the past, I'm sure. But yeah, you're talking about your tabletop. What, what's it called again? Battle tabletop ba- battlegrounds. The tabletop no, as, as, miniature <laughs> hobby podcast. It's I always go for perfect. the boring names. Remember. Of course, Boring but searchable, because then I don't yeah. have to promote it. Um, maybe that's got subconsciously why I do that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, but you're, but your, your ongoing active ones are that one, plus uh, do you count um, a Scottish podcast as an ongoing active show as well? Yeah, because I get maybe two episodes a year out, so that's active to me in the world <laughs> of British audio drama. So, yeah. um, But I, with my tabletop show, it's it's... A lot of folks have just been, you know, folk that are the same as me. You know, they've they've got back into it in adult life and they're they're painting some stuff and you know they're just enjoying it, uh, getting the nostalgia and stuff like that. Maybe trying some new games here and there. But I've really wanted to get on uh, some of the games workshop folk from the nineties. You know, when you look into like uh, the old White Dwarf magazines and and folk that you would uh, that you would consider sort of celebrities in the space. And my my big issue is reaching out to these people. And I, I think there's a couple of factors at play here. So I am very vocal about the downsides of social media and I don't like it and I try not to use it. I don't, in the main, I don't use it. But there are obviously some advantages and I do hear from a lot of folks in that space. Facebook still seems to be a big thing in that hobby. And all these old Games Workshop folks, by all accounts, are, are pretty active on it. And other folks running podcasts in the space of being able to get people on. And I think a big part of that is just like their, their friends on Facebook, you know, they send them a wee message and it's very easy to respond and it's it's quite easy to set something up. Whereas when you're not on social media, you kind of need to look for somebody's actual website. Sometimes it's a contact form. I don't always trust them. I think they're very prone to send stuff into your spam folders. I just think it's much easier for these invites to get lost. And then I'm not I'm just not very good at the persistence of of really trying to get somebody, you know, following up, and um, so that's I, I, a real. I think it really uh, is something I could improve a lot on. Is that you know trying to get big guests on? Yeah, I agree. I'm the same as well. It's it's. Uh, I wonder if it, is this kind of a um, a personality thing, as in if you're kind of quite a kind of open, extroverted person, you're very apt to just get in touch with folk and just ask. Whereas I think you're probably more like like I, like quite introverted, quite kind of maybe class on the sk- the shy scale. Uh, so it's just is it a bit around that, or is it something different? Do you think? No, I think there's definitely a, a an element of that that I just don't yeah. want to feel like I'm bothering people. Uh, yeah. you know, a message out the blue and, and I try and make it easy for people. It's, you know, when I've been able to reach out to people, you know, I've got, um, I've got a, a calendar link and things and I try to explain in a succinct manner what it's about and, you know, not write them a novel at the same time, just that balancing act. But then if I don't get a response, I likely won't follow up on it, which of course doesn't help. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, uh, I won't name any names, but a client we worked with years ago uh, and we helped set their podcast up and he was just the most like bullish, outgoing guy ever. And I remember they hadn't even launched their show and he showed me his first five guests. These were all recorded interviews. These are folks that like, I think almost all of them, in fact, probably all of them have been on like Tim Ferriss and that. This was a guy that hadn't launched the podcast yet. 
Yeah. And he was just such <laughs> a massive personality and such a persistent, like I don't think he understood the word no. And he managed <laughs> just to, you know, probably through brute force, just get these folks on his like not even it's released yet podcast. I, I've never yeah. I've never heard of that before. You know, people people at a certain level will say, come back to me when you've got 10 episodes or whatever, because they don't want to waste their time. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, they're, they're, long way of saying there's a there's a personality thing in there too i think yeah I, but i think anyone can develop that more uh, and it, a lot of it is around the confidence that you can make a good bit of content out of it that you can make it worth their while or even just that you can give them a fun half hour you know just have a good chat with them and it, and it makes it worthwhile for them so but i think the persistence thing is is a really key one isn't it like so often especially when it's somebody that's a bit kind of further along their journey. So they're relatively popular or they, they've got a bit more demand on their time. And actually you just end up, like I often have emails sitting in my inbox for two, three weeks. And it's only on the second or third reminder that I say, ah, oh, I'm sorry, you're right. This has been sitting too long. I apologize, but it's a good opportunity. I do want to be involved. Um, and I've done that so many times. And if that person hadn't sent the reminder, I might've just forgotten about it. So I think the persistence thing uh, I, I'm going through a whole thing just now, like trying to clear out my my inbox uh, of stuff, and I've just started blocking stuff. So if I do, um, if I do find somebody that is that's not in, <laughs> not of interest, this sounds, but it's it's like we get so many pitches for like content swaps and all this kind of stuff that's nonsense, um, and I just block a lot of those these days. So any genuine one that does a follow up, I will actually respond in a, a very nice way and probably get involved. So yeah. Persistence, definitely a big one. It's funny you saying that about like, you know, when when you actually are getting people following up with you. And I'm, I've got this, again, character flaw. I was talking about it with, with Julia the other day, but mm -hmm. even if like somebody does something totally in the wrong to me and I'm having a conversation with them, I'll end up apologising about something because <laughs> I just feel better having said I'm sorry for something as well. Yeah. So like if I'm following up with someone I feel like I'm in the wrong because I'm being the best. But if yeah. I've not got back to somebody and they've followed up with me three times, I feel like I'm in the wrong because I'm ignoring them. So like, I, I'm never in a position where I'm like, I'm the goodie here. You know, I'm always like, I'm, I'm really out of order here. So yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but. <laughs> Just being nice. It's a nice person. That's all you are. <laughs> not a flaw. All right. Anything else? So you think, well, actually, sorry, just to finish that up. You think that's your Achilles heel that you want to get better at. So is there, is there something you want to, any, anything you want to commit to doing to improve on that? Well, this, I'm, I'm curious, Colin, like you're in mashes, okay? You, you're not going to sign up to Facebook or all that. You're, you're not going to mm -hmm. dive into the, the, the realms of social media, but you do, you do see a few folk out there you would like to get on your podcast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some of them don't even have websites or that. What do you yep. do? And 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 it's not just the means of contact, but you know how many times do you do you follow up? What's your what's your thoughts on that? I mean, and and I what does think... what does your approach look like too? If you if you had any insights on that, like your pitch yeah. to them? Yeah, yeah. I think that so there's if I do try and do that with somebody, generally I'll start with email. So I'll try and figure out their re real email. There's a few tools out there like. Um, uh, CRM type tools that help you figure out what somebody's real email is. So even if you don't have it, obviously cold outreach is a little bit kind of uh, not controversial exactly, but maybe just not that effective in some ways. But if you have a decent little pitch, I mean, I think a lot of it is just around what you 
um, send to the person, isn't it? Like whether you spend a bit of time on personalizing it and telling them what's in it for them to come on your show. So you're getting in touch with these Games Workshop folk um, and you just tell them you'd love to share their story from the 90s for people like you. And you show that you actually know who they are. This isn't generic outreach. This is somebody who was a genuine fan of their their work back then. I think that's a big part of it is showing that this isn't one of a hundred emails that are exactly the same wording you've sent out. That mm-hmm. makes a huge difference in the first place. And I find that if you email with that kind of intent and that kind of contact uh, content, sorry, you tend to get a much better response. But it is the one place where, like you've already suggested, social media can be a bit better. Like as in, if you do kind of get on Twitter DMs, for example, and, and manage to send them a message that way, sometimes you can get a, a decent response that way. But then a lot of people ignore that too. So, I, I mean, I think it is just a big part of it is just the genuine outreach that way. And maybe even going a bit old school, like a lot of these things, I think people that do well with that is they manage to make it in person somehow. So they'll go to an event and they'll make the effort to go and speak to a person actually at an event, at a conference, whatever that might be. Sometimes that's not practical for everyone. But in a lot of cases, if you go to an event like that, that's around some sort of fan or hobby type um, uh, content, then you can meet a bunch of these higher profile folk. And it'll turn out that they're totally normal and nice and and not up themselves at all and happy to speak to everyone and much against what you kind of expect. So... I think probably that combination is what I would suggest, but I don't think there's a magic formula there. I think there is probably just a bit of persistence, a bit of personalization and investing a bit of time and making sure that it's all tailored so you're not just wasting your time sending these 100 form emails. Does that, does that, yeah. Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, what I'm curious as well, what's your thoughts on the ethics, if you like, around, so say there's another show uh, in the sort of same space as you and you're quite pally with the, the presenter there and they've maybe had a guest on that you would like on. Do you mm. think there's? Um, do you think it's the right thing to do to ask them to give you an email introduction or something like that to a guest? Because I, I, I know this, like, yeah. it's not like they're just giving you the email address, is it? They're, they're doing an no. intro, so. No, 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 absolutely. And, and if you're... Um, I suppose the ve- the ultimately ethical way to do that is for that person to write to the other person first and say, I've got somebody that's interested in an interview. Are you taking, have you got the time to talk to them just now? So yeah, I, I always, I rarely make an intro without asking the person I'm introducing whether it's okay. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think I've been in that position a few times where somebody has introduced me to somebody else and I'm like, oh, this isn't really up our street just now, but now I feel a sense of responsibility to do something with it because yeah. somebody I know and like and trust has made this intro and it puts a bit of pressure on you. So I always ask first. So that's what I would do. I would say, do you mind making an intro? And then that person, it's up to them how they go about it, but definitely um, worthwhile asking, saying to them, I don't mind if you ask them first, make sure it's okay. But yeah, I think that's one of the best ways actually. And in fact, I think a lot of good hosts do that. I've I've had... People who've interviewed me who've done that approach really well, as in they've said, um, all right, Colin, thanks for doing that interview. That was really good. Do you have any other people that you know that you like and trust that you think would be a good fit for my podcast? If so, do you mind making a couple of introductions? And generally, that's quite a good ask because as um, I've just been interviewed by this person, uh, so I'll probably know a lot of people that have similar kind of approaches, similar kind of audience. Um, getting them on this person's show gets them a better promo, but it, in, it helps the host as well. So it's kind of a win-win for all sides um, and can really get you through that kind of 
um, that maze. Like, I don't know if you've had any guests on, have you had any guests on your show that might have some contact with some of those people from Warhammer? Potentially, yes. Um, like I say, a couple of the other podcast hosts uh, I've, yeah, ha- I've had yeah. on. Um, so th- that's a definite opportunity. And then I think as well, getting one of these folks on gives you then the opportunity at the end of the conversation to, to do the same thing. You know, yeah, I'm also yeah. looking to speak to, to you know, him, her, him. Uh, is there yeah. any chance of getting a, an intro just along the same lines of what you're, what you're saying before about fellow hosts? Yeah, yeah. And if you've done a good job, which you will have, I'm sure. <laughs> you've given it them remains a good time. to be seen. You've, uh, yeah. <laughs> or you've let them you've let them talk about themselves. Let's be honest. You've let them talk about themselves, promote their stuff, whatever it is. So they've probably had a good time. Um uh, so yeah, they'll be happy to make that intro, I'm sure. So yeah. That'd be worthwhile giving a go. We can maybe catch up on that in a, a few weeks and uh, report back. Yeah, I'll report back shamefully that I've just not managed to get anyone I've on and I've given up. I <laughs> and I said I was sorry to everyone. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I'd love to do, actually? Talking about calls to action earlier on, let's do a call to action. I would love to hear what other people... Uh, out there so if you're out there listening um first of all thanks for listening we don't do that enough say thanks for following along and uh, enjoying podcasts and, and listening to the show but what is it that you think of yourself as not being good at or what are your fears around things that you believe you're not good at in your podcasting that you might want to get better at um, if you have some of those things we'd love to do it maybe we'll include um if any of them come in we'll definitely include them in the second part of this which we'll probably record in what two weeks, Matthew? Yeah, yeah. So we'll so we'll get this out. Uh, we're on the twenty first of June right now. We'll get this out in the next couple of days. So if you have a deadline for, let's say, the end of June, um, so that's what nine ten days from now, uh, probably seven or eight from release. Get into us. What are you not good at on your podcast? And we'll cover them on the next episode. And we'll try and give as many resources as we can around um, things that we think could help with those as well as a few resources maybe related to what we're talking about now. So do you identify with any of the things we've just talked about not being good at or are there a whole bunch of other things that you fear (laughs) you're not very good at on your show that you'd like to get better at? Um, So you can send that into either email us at info at thepodcasthost.com or if you are on social I'll get it on Twitter as well if you put it to the podcast host on Twitter the podcast host on Twitter can I just add in as well if they want to send us a voicemail I'll put a link in the show notes where they could do that Um, Mm -hmm. we'll do a wee we'll do a wee prize draw as well £25 Amazon voucher for somebody who sends us a voice uh, voice feedback based on what you've just said there. Yeah, perfect. And just so you're aware out there listening, we do not often get very many voicemails. So you'll have a good chance of getting it if you actually just send in a voicemail and let us know. That'd be great. I do remember <laughs> somebody sent us a fart. Uh, I went in and I was excited because there was a voice message and I thought it might be a question. It was a fart. So... <laughs> Um, I mean, I made my nice. morning, I suppose. But nice, yeah. Thank, thanks, thanks to whoever that was. <laughs> Should you're listening. 
Thanks again for listening. Uh, please do check out Alitu. We've recorded this whole thing at Alitu. It's going to clean it all up for us so Matthew gets to not have to spend a morning in uh, audition doing all the cleanup and stuff. So uh, noise reduction, levelling, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you can get your editing, free hosting up to a thousand downloads per month and kind of standard prices after that. Uh, so you can get the whole thing, create your whole podcast in Alitu uh, and put it out there into the world. Go over to alitu.com. That's A-L-I-T you.com and you'll get a seven day free trial to give it a shot all right cheers matthew we'll talk to you next week and we'll talk about more things that we're not good at i'm sure hopefully get some feedback from the audience thanks out there for listening we'll talk to you then Mm -hmm.